You're listening to the Dietitian Cafe RDTV podcast, brought to you by Nualtra. My name is Neve Lilliman and I'm a second year student dietitian. Through this podcast, we aim to inspire student dietitians by sharing knowledge and gaining insights from experienced guests. Mature students form a significant part of the student dietitian community and dietetics is often a career that people decide to switch to midway through their working life. Today, we wish to shine a spotlight on mature students to highlight the value they bring to the profession as well as the unique challenges they face while studying. Today, we are joined by Becca Line Perkis, a registered dietitian who began studying as a mature student four years ago. Becca has had an exciting career history with food before dietetics, including being a contestant and semi-finalist in series four of the Great British Bake Off. Becca also published her recipe book, Feeding My Army, in 2020. I hope that in today's episode, Becca can share experience and advice to help mature student dietitians feel supported and welcomed into the profession. For those listeners who aren't mature students, we hope to give insight into what life looks like for a mature student dietitian and hear more of Becca's exciting story. So I'm really looking forward to chatting about being a mature student today. But first, I'll pass you over to Becca to introduce herself. Hello, my name is Becca Lang Perkis. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm also a freelance cook and food writer and broadcaster, something that I've been doing for over 10 years since I was on the Great British Bake Off in 2013. Um, and so, yes, my my journey into dietetics did come from the Bake Off in a funny way, but it also came from my own passion of nutrition related to marathon running, uh, something that I've been doing since 2005. And so I think just that interest and um, constantly thinking about food and nutrition and everything just made me think, actually, I think a career in dietetics is something I can see me going into and something that I'd like to explore further. Lovely. So it sounds like you've had quite a unique and exciting sort of background before doing dietetics. So I can't wait to explore that. Um, So to start things off, Becca, I'd love to hear about more about what you were doing before studying dietetics. So before I started studying dietetics, I have a degree in music. So I'm classically trained uh, musician. I then went on and did a postgrad within the arts and worked in the arts and charitable sector for a number of years in London. Loved it, absolutely loved it. But around 2011, I decided that I wanted to step away from that because I was in a very busy corporate job in London, um, loving it, but not seeing my new husband and also just seeing that the pull of food and wanting to do something within food was very strong. And I thought, now is a chance to explore that. Um, so I left my job. And as things always happen, something kind of a curveball comes your way and I felt pregnant. So I, I started to look at doing something in the food industry, found out I was pregnant with my first daughter, Mary. And when she was six months, I applied for the Bake Off, having had a number of family and friends saying that I should. Um, and in February 2013, I had the phone call to say, you're one of our bakers this year for the tent, which is, and I still remember that that morning, that phone call, I knew exactly where I was and what I was doing. Um, and it was an amazing experience. And I and I went on to the show, not really knowing what I was going to get out of the experience or know 
you know, ideas of, oh, this will help springboard anything. It was just, I loved what I was doing, loved baking. And I just thought, you know, I'm not in a job at the minute. This is a great opportunity. Why not go for it? Um, and I made it to the semi-finals, which is amazing, but also equally disappointing because you're one step away from being a finalist. Uh, but I think it's helped spur me on. It's given me that fire in my belly to kind of continue what I was doing and just see what opportunities came in my way. And um, Welsh is my first language. And so from that show and people knowing that I spoke Welsh, the uh, Welsh Channel 4 Esperec got in contact and I had four TV shows commissioned, four cookery shows commissioned on the channel and some specials. Um, I also then got to work in Borough Market for a number of years. I've taught cookery across the UK. I've worked at Jamie Oliver's 15 apprenticeship scheme with the graduates there. I've done countless food festivals and you name it, I've done it. Um, two books have been published. I'm very proud of. The first is Bilingual, uh, My Food, Boyd Becker. The second was out in 2020, Feeding My Army. Um, and around, I want to say six years ago, I went and did a nutrition diploma. So I was living in Cardiff and there's a nutrition diploma that I found in the Leith School of Food and Wine. And what appealed to me about this was that it was nutrition and it was a practical nutrition course. Um, and I think I was just looking at the work I was doing, although it's very exciting and great, media work isn't always steady income. And so with two young girls by that point, I needed to think about something that was going to help sustain me. And, you know, nutrition has always been an interest because of my love of training and marathons. Did the diploma, which is a four month course at the school. Loved it so much, loved the science element of it. I'm just that person who loves understanding the theory and science behind things. Because um, it just gives you so much more knowledge and scope then to kind of give advice to people. And I was thinking, and I was looking more into dietetics at that point, thinking, right, if I want to be taken seriously um, within my profession and, you know, just kind of pursue that, that kind of route into dietetics, I went to look for a dietetic degree and who'd known it, but there was one in Cardiff Met literally down the road for me. And it, was, it was almost like it was meant to be. That was the thing. It was just so exciting. And I remember emailing the head of course saying I'd love to apply and, you know, they kind of set up interviews and stuff. Um, and I went to that interview at Cardiff Met. You know, I think I was 30, 36 at that point and I felt like, oh, I'm going to be so old. I'm like so nervous because I want this so much. And I went in and I think, well, I've heard from those who interviewed me since then. They were just saying, you know, your passion came over and you could tell that you'd be a good fit for the industry. Uh, and so that was exciting. And then in 2018, I started my foundation course, which is a kind of an intro into health sciences because of my uh, arts background I needed that um, science elements done uh, to help to get onto the the, the course um, and I can't believe those four years have gone actually it's gone past so quickly um, I think Covid hit at the right time so it meant that all my exciting media jobs had to be put on hold so it gave me opportunity just to concentrate on the degree um, and I've been qualified now for a number of months and now working in an acute setting. That's really, really interesting to hear your, you know, your transition. You know, you've gone from music to, you know, you're pursuing your love of food. And I think that's quite inspirational that you've actually, 
you know after after time's gone by you've pursued your your interest in food and, and gone into that um and that's quite inspiring really um do you think specifically with your time in Bake Off and just working in food in general the media work writing your book what about that was there anything in there specifically that inspired you to be a dietitian from them from that um I think the one thing that kept on coming up as a recurring theme was you know how food is common ground for everyone regardless yeah. of your your health situation you know we all need to eat um and I think from writing my books, especially the second book, Feeding My Army, it was a very emotive book because I wrote about um, the links with the military. My husband was um, in the army for 22 years, but wow. my granddad was in, my great aunt married uh, an American GI in the Second World War. And I have fond memories of growing up as a little girl um, just you know learning recipes with them and bonding with them you know across several generations it's just it's just food does bring everyone together um and you know you need you know when you're poorly and you you, you want your mum for example but you also want whatever comfort food that appeals to you and it, it was just that element as well as the element of wanting it for the health benefits of um fueling whatever sport and training um it was it was all kind of all these different things I was doing was kind of coming together um I was we're also working with the food standard agency as a, an advisor on their Welsh boards um I'd also started to work with the Welsh government on their obesity pathway so because of the stuff I was doing in the media I was getting asked to do a lot of things that was related to nutrition and dietetics and I think, and I and I could see that I was really enjoying that element of just mm. um, being vocal, being communic, you know, communicating the information. I was thinking, right, I need to make sure that the information I'm giving out is correct, it's accurate. You know, I want to be respected. I want to, you know, I'm enjoying this so much. I don't want anything to scupper what I'm doing. Um, and also out of respect for the, the dietetics industry, you know, it's it's a, it's a protected um, title and a profession and. Um, I mean, no regrets as well. Absolutely love it. I think the one thing that I probably wasn't expecting was how medical and clinical it can be. I'm currently oh, yeah, working yeah. in a hospital. It's way more medical than I'd ever anticipated, but I absolutely love it. And I never thought ever having, you know, looking back to my music degree and working in museums in London and, you know, all the media stuff that I would ever now be working for the NHS, helping those who are acutely ill, as well as those with chronic conditions. And you can, and, and, and I can see how food really does help those in need, but it also is such a barrier with those who are acutely ill and you know you're then just using your clinical knowledge just to help them as much as you can because for all of us who work in the healthcare industry we just want to help mm. um, and so when you can't help that person it's really difficult um, but yeah I think and I'm, I'm that person who will always say you're never too old and have no regrets and just go you've got one life and so all of the stuff that I've done I've loved I'm, I'm just that person who just wants to do everything but I can also see how it's helped uh, help me develop the person that I am and helped mm. given me those skills that I now use within this profession 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I suppose it's adding a, a huge string, string, uh, string to your bow, isn't it? You know, get, becoming a dietitian, and I think it's it's interesting here. You know, from before you were a dietitian, your perspective on giving uninformed advice, because I think that's something that people don't always understand is actually quite can be actually quite harmful. So the fact that you recognize yeah. that and did something about it um you know and, ju- and just went for it and retrained I think that's uh you know that's that's quite inspiring to do and it would be really good if that you know if that happened more wouldn't it if people were sort of inspired by mm. something and actually hang on no that needs to change or you know I want to make this better yeah. I think I think with helping people as well you know yeah. that is oh sorry what were you going to say no I was just going to say that really came from how social media has developed over 10 years as well yeah. because my year of based off was one of the first on twitter and so and it just i mean when you have all these influencers giving what advice and i know again they want to help people but it's it's just frustrating because people who are looking for help are really vulnerable yeah and will often try what they can and so and i could see that as dietitians, as an industry, sometimes it's difficult to be heard over the noise of those who don't or might not have the correct information. And so, you know, I'm small fish really in this pond, but I think if we all just try and continue to do what we can, then hopefully those who really need information will be able to reach out and like hear, you know, what's needed to be heard and to help them properly. Mm, definitely and I think the position that you're in with all you know your years of media experience and writing your books the fact that you can now do that from an evidence-informed perspective Mm. that that really adds quite a significant thing to the profession doesn't it definitely Mm, absolutely yeah I mean in terms of your process of going back into education Mm. were there any parts of it that took you by surprise I know you said about the clinical aspect how heavy that is but um anything that you found challenging um I think I think the big thing was the age thing not that it's ever ever stopped me from doing anything before I think I was just acutely aware that I was going back to university and there would be people there who are half my age having just left school and I'm I was thinking back to what I was like at that age and thinking you know well will they want to be seen with this person? Not that I'm old. So it was kind of this internal monologue, this battle that I was having all the time. And and I think well, as soon as I got into that first room, you know, the, when we were all met that first day, um, one of my friends, Rianne, who is a couple of years younger than me, but has two daughters as well, does marathons. We instantly clicked. And again, there was others on the course who were slightly older than me. Um, and also there was those who weren't straight out of school. And actually, it doesn't matter how old you are, because we all as a cohort got on, regardless if they were fresh out of school or, you know, if you were older. Um, I think that was the one thing. Uh, but as soon as we kind of just we bonded quite quickly. And then I think the one thing that everybody always asked me was, how do you find the time? How do you find the time to study full time? You know, I've got two daughters and I, and I was still working freelance and my husband was in the army. And so he would often be away. And so, yes, uh, you know, a lot to juggle. Absolutely. But I think if you want something that bad, you will make time for it and you will be organized because you are, you know, it's a big thing to go back to university to try and retrain. And I think it was just 
an amazing opportunity that came my way. And so I wanted to make it work. And I wanted, I, I put, I wanted to do the best that I could. I think that was the one thing in my head. I was just like, I'm aiming for a first, like anything lower than the first or any, like I was so hard on myself. I'm a, I'm a massive perfectionist and that comes from being a baker as well. But I was hard on myself, but also as long as I was organized and able to fit everything else in and make sure that my daughters were okay. And I, you know, and I had the support of my family, then I knew it would be okay. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of mature student listeners and actually, you know, not just mature student listeners can resonate with that, you know, busy, you know, busy lifestyles with its children, mm. finances, running a household, commuting, whatever it is, you know, that there, there is that, that need for time management, I think. Were there any specific techniques that you used, you, know, you talked about time management, any specific techniques that you used to, to do that, really? I think the one thing that what really helped me more so in the final year and this was across because in the final year we do our placements so the first and second year it was kind of taught program and it was just very much having on my computer I have my to-do list and deadlines they were they were dotted everywhere so that I knew I wouldn't forget anything um but for my final year placement I bought a journal a really thick journal and it's on my desk at work otherwise I'd show it to you but I took that from day one I wrote down everything I was doing everything every person I was meeting or needing to meet like I just kept as organized as I could within that that journal and it was such a great tool to use as evidence in my portfolio at the end okay and just kind of helped me really kind of um just organize things because you know having to collect evidence and things for your portfolio and just making sure that, you know, you want to be seen as being professional as well in placement. So, you know, there's so many things you need to show that you're competent at. And so for me, it was, I was writing things in my phone, but just having that hard copy, that journal. And if I'd lost that journal, I don't know what I would have done, <laughs> but it just helped me throughout. It was brilliant. Def I would definitely advocate getting a journal to help you okay I've not heard that one before actually that's quite interesting getting a journal writing it all down and as as you say it's quite interesting to use as evidence as well to say actually yes Mm -hmm. I can can time manage and you know which as they are um I mean all students have pressures different they might be the same uh but we all have them what are they that you think are unique to mature students Um, I think it just depends on the home life, really. Mm. Um, you know, and also depends on if they're able to work alongside. You know, and again, this this is true for any age group, really. You know, yeah. it, it does cost a lot of money to do the degree. Um, even if you are, you know, receiving um, a, a loan or bursary or what have you there's still other finances because I wasn't able to work as much and so I was very aware of that and so I was working quite a bit on weekends just to make sure that we were able to pay the mortgage um and I think I was very aware of making sure that university work wouldn't take up time that I would be able to spend with my daughters mm-hmm. because they were young when we started so I started degree when my youngest daughter was full-time in school so she was four. So, you know, it's still very much needing her mam. Um, and so what I would usually do, and I know not everyone would like this, um, I'll get up at five in the morning. Ooh. And I will do two hours work 
work. Yes, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> so I don't mind getting up. I will get up at any hour of the day to do work. I've been known to be up till 3 a.m. making cakes and meringues and stuff and then <laughs> getting up and working. Uh, as long as it's only for a short amount of time, it's fine. But I would get up at five sometimes and do two hours of work writing. And then I could be mum, help with breakfast and school runs, take them to school, go to university, do lectures or, you know, do assignments and stuff, pick them up from school. And then again, for the first few hours they were home um, in the evening, just be mum and be with them. And then because my husband was away a lot, I'd often then at nine o'clock do some writing for two hours so it wouldn't be every day. I'm not saying I would yeah. get up at five every day and stay up until 11. But I think when you needed to fit things in around other things and it comes back again to time management and being organized. And if you, you know, if you want to do it that much, you will make time for it. Um, I would always make sure I had a lie in scheduled as well just to make up. Oh, most important thing. <laughs> I think it's nice to hear about you setting boundaries as well, sort of, you know, with your children and making sure that you allocate the time that, you know, you need to, to care for them and tend to them. Um, and I think that's something that all students can sometimes struggle to do is, is putting boundaries in and, and saying, no, this is enough. You know, my life isn't my degree um, and vice versa, yeah. life outside. So that's really, really good to to. For, for students to know and maybe to, to take on board um I like what you I mean I say I like I mean you you know you got up at five o'clock clearly you are someone who was able to do that I personally don't know whether I am um but I think it goes to show I think if if students know themselves and know what's best for them so you know you say about you can get up at five o'clock make the most of it I know me personally I am not that way inclined um but I work really well in the evening so you know people say oh, you're working till 10 o'clock and I'm thinking well yeah I did I did work till 10 o'clock um and that's because that's what works for me and that's you know so I think it's definitely working with what you're able to do and I think maybe recognizing that you know is probably a yeah. good way for mature I work in the evening yeah and I think as you say, what works for one person isn't going to work for the other person. However, what I would say is give it a go as well sometimes because I was yeah. the one that was always like, oh, I work better in the evenings, but then I'd be known to get up at five to go for a run. So I was obviously also a morning person. Um, and I think I think what I like about the morning is the quietness. Mm -hmm. It's just so still and quiet. And sometimes when you've been working on something the night before you get word blind and so waking up in the morning you, you you're almost not quite awake enough to know what's going on but I'll often read through something in the morning and I'll just have a better clarity and a better out coming at it with fresh eyes so to speak and I still do that now with things just to kind of read through things again just double check um but I couldn't do it every day absolutely not but I would say give it a go don't okay. dismiss the 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> okay, note taken. You know, I'm, I, I say I might try that. I'll set my alarm and then I'll be like, nope, <laughs> evenings for me, but it's I'll give it a go. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> um, so in terms of, you know, the support, obviously doing a degree is, is difficult, um, time-consuming, and, you know, it takes a lot of organisation. Do you think that like, enough is done by the university universities and the profession to kind of encourage welcome and support mature students from like what you oh it's difficult to comment experience. yeah it is difficult I mean I would say that uh my university Cardiff met what brilliant 
And but I think what helped was I got to know my lecturers really well, <laughs> probably because they're my age. Um, and they were so supportive because I remember once um I think my daughter was really poorly and they're really good, you know, they were saying they were gonna able to give me an extension and what have you. And they knew that my husband was in Afghanistan for seven months. And I think as long as you've got that good open conversation with your mentor or tutor or what have you, they will give you that support in return. Um, and I think also within your cohort, you will find the support. You know, we had WhatsApp group for all of us, but also we had separate ones and um, everybody was just wanting us. We were all willing each other to do the best that we could. Um, I, I mean, broadly at the industry, I think, Again, I didn't really look for the support outside of that because I felt that I didn't necessarily need it or I was getting what I needed. Um, I think all industries would benefit from having, you know, encouraging people who are slightly older to apply and retrain because, you know, you do look at life. I look at life completely different to when I was 18, what the majority of things anyway. And, you know, you, you often leave school not really knowing what you want to do. Others leave school knowing exactly what they want to do and that's great but not everyone is like that and sometimes you know it does take a career or two to get you to exactly where you think you want to be so I've finally at the age of 41 realized what I want to be when I grow up so you know oh I like going back to that phrase what do you want to do when you grow up <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean it, it sounds like it's almost a a thing that again not just mature students but students in general going out and looking for the support and understanding what supports there and being proactive so you know you were saying about um like the extensions and making building relationships with your tutors mm -hmm. and personal tutors that sounds like it's something that's uh, going to be quite valuable to mature students and actually all but particularly mature students yeah. have got pressures like ill children or you know husbands away or, or things like that so I think that's definitely yeah. something that the listeners could take away um, is look look for the support, um, whether that's at the university um, or, or on placement or BDA or whatever. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't. I, and I, I'm, I'm that person who will ask questions. Yeah. Um, and I, I always say no question is a stupid question. And don't feel like you can't ask for help. Don't feel like because you're a mature, mature student, you should know better. You should be able to do stuff because you don't know any different. You're there training there for a reason. And so if you're concerned or need that support, then ask for it because then they know that you are able to recognize your scope of practice mm. within what you're doing. Okay. I hadn't considered that actually. Yeah. Like the, the scope of practice and acknowledging when you do need a hand. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. Absolutely, because you know that can be transferred to caseload. You know, mm. can you man? You know, you say that you can manage X amount of patients in your caseload, but then some days it is overwhelming. And as a team, you know, I know that within my team we're all very supportive, and you do recognise some days that some people have got more than others, and so we all help each other out. And recognising that and asking for help doesn't mean that you're any less of a student or a dietitian or what have you. It just means that you're able to recognize that I need some help today. Tomorrow I'll be, probably be fine. So yeah, I think that's you know you're a student because you're there to be helped. Mm. That's kind of the concept of being a student, yeah. isn't it? So utilize it definitely yeah. and and ask for it. 
Um, what advantages do you think there are to being a mature student dietitian? I'm sure there are many, but in your experience, what have you found? Advantages. I think the big thing is life experience. I think, um, and again, that comes from different situations, being with different people. And again, I think because I've worked in quite a high pressure industry in London, you know, negotiating with people and dealing with different people, you know, when you get um, difficult patients, for example, um, and just managing your workload. If you have previously worked in a career where you need to kind of look at time management for working on different projects and you're able to transfer that to um, to being a student, absolutely. Um, but I think the main thing for me was the communication skills element of it. And that, fortunately, you know, for me came from working in the media, uh, but also um, my previous job having to do presentations and, you know, all that type of thing before. Um, and so, and also just being a professional, being a professional within any industry, all of those skills are transferable. And, and able to help you um and then being a mother you know you when I was on peds you know you can relate to parents you can relate to them being worried about children um and also you know when you're looking at loved ones kind of caring for others you know there's so many there's so many things that I can think of yeah absolutely I think it's key about what you said there about the experience and, and life experience because I don't think within reason schools college university it's something that can't really be taught is it unless it's like on a placement or something like that experience yeah. something that you gain and it's almost that that wisdom that you get from it and it you know I think that's definitely something particularly what you said about you know being a mum or family members or the, you know the communication and how to talk to people uh, that's definitely something that I think you know for mature students that's something they can use to their advantage so a lot of mature students uh, they can often feel like they're too old for this I've heard that a lot from students on my cohorts um, and it certainly isn't true but what advice would you give to mature students who do feel like this you're not too old do it don't don't sit there worried that you're too old because you'll never you'll regret the fact that you didn't go for it that you didn't try at least um you know you've got like I am that person that says you've got one life, go for it, just do what you can. Um, and, you know, I know people on my course were older than me when we started. And, you know, again, you've got so many advantages and, you know, you're not, you're not too old to try when you're 30, 40, 50, you know, and, and what was nice was when I started in this job, there was other uh, dietitians there who were, had started as mature students as well. And so, you know, I think when you when you first start to look about retraining, you think that you're going to be in the minority, but you're not in the minority at all, at all. Um, and yeah, I have no regrets. And it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made was go was email the head of dietetics at the university just to say, can I can I can I please come <laughs> and be a student? Please, <laughs> I'm invited. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Oh, no, that's that's really nice advice. And I think that's definitely something I was surprised at um, when I joined my course last year. That was how many mature students there were. Um, and I thought for some reason, I, you know, I was 
what was I, I was 21, 21 when I started. Um, and I remember getting that email about, oh, you're a mature student. And I was thinking, what? I'm not a mature student. Like, what is going on? I'm 21. <laughs> but apparently that's what it classes as. Um, but I think somewhere in my head, I was going, oh gosh, what if I'm one of the older ones? And I got there and to be honest, I was one of the younger ones. And I think that's what surprised me. And there's mm-hmm. people on my course who are, you know, in their thirties, their forties, their fifties. And I think that's the best thing about mm. it because not a lot of other degrees get that, do they? I mean, I wouldn't class myself yeah, as a mature absolutely. student. So, you know, but I, you know, I think that's what, that's what adds to it. And actually sometimes the conversations that I have with the 40 and the 50 year old students are the ones that I learn the most from because they've got that life experience to, you know, to, to back up what they're saying essentially. Um, and, and you learn from them definitely. Absolutely. So finally, what is something that you wish you knew about being a mature student before you started? Oh, um, do you know what there was there was nothing really that made me think oh do I need to look at what it's like to be a mature student I think for me I was so driven to want to do dietetics and to retrain that that just helped me kind of get over those initial nerves and just go for it to start with I think I think what and I also I think what helped me was the fact that the degree I was doing was in Cardiff and it was within a university in an area that, that I knew so well. So I didn't really need to worry about anything else, really. Um, but what I would say is just, you know, reach out and speak to other mature students. And I've had other mature students contact me on social media. Um, you know, I'm quite I do love an Instagram post and a story. And I I'm, I think what's been nice, I thought I thought what would be nice is if I, during my my degree and my placement, I shared what I was doing, you know, as much as I could. Uh, and what was nice then was to hear from those who are either thinking of applying or who have applied or who've started. And they would just say it was really helping them to see what I was doing because I was X amount of years ahead of them on the degree. Um, and so I suppose it depends on you as a person. If you're that person who needs to find out as much as you can, then, you know, reach out to other mature students, other dietitians, because what I have found is that I've done that, you know, asking uh, the dietitians that I now know who could quite good friends from reaching out on social media, just for advice, because we're, we're a lovely bunch of people. And again, we just want to help and also to encourage those who want to join the profession to join the profession. And so, yeah, I would just encourage people to, you know, do some research, speak, you know, message people on on the different platforms or speak to the British Dietetic Association. They're so helpful, but also speak to the university, the course, the lecturers there, because, you know, majority of them are working dietitians as well as lecturers. um, And they'll be, you know, they'll be thrilled to help and support the next kind of cohort of dietitians. Yeah, definitely. I think all of those, you know, that goes back to that support network that's there, mm. um, you know, going and speaking to your, your lecturers and tutors. I like what you said, actually, about social media. Um, and I think that's definitely something I underestimated, you know, when I joined, how much of a community there is on there. Um, and, yeah. you you know, you can just drop people a message and say, oh, you've got any tips or tricks or anything like yeah. that. And people will answer and they'll answer honestly and, and helpfully. You know, they, they, they yeah. are there to help. Um, so, 
I think this goes for all students, really, not just mature yeah, students. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Definitely. So, Becca, it's been fantastic to chat to you about being a mature student. I think it just goes to show that no matter what age you are as a student dietitian, your contribution to the profession is just as important as everyone else. And there's no such thing as being too old for this in dietetics. I hope that you found Becca's own experience and advice helpful and supportive. Now it's time for some info to go with Megan. Let's see what resources are around this month for mature student dietitians. Thanks, Neve. Hi, everyone, and welcome to info to go This month, instead of asking a listener question, I spoke to some of the mature students studying nutrition and dietetics at my university to find out what their experiences have been like and what challenges they have faced. I'll be still be sharing the answers from last month's listener question, what was your experience of a non-clinical or virtual placement, in the next episode of the podcast. So if you would still like to share your experiences, you can email newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com. Overall, the students that I spoke to really enjoy being mature students and said that their additional life experiences and maturity have helped them to deal with some of the more challenging aspects of the course and life as a student dietitian, particularly when on placement. However, being a mature student can come with many other obstacles that some students, like me, coming straight from school may not have to consider. For example, getting used to being back in full-time education after years of being out of school and working can be quite a big change, to go from practical work to lectures and reading journals. But despite this challenge, the students I spoke to thought it was great to be back in the learning environment, surrounded by like-minded students, learning about something that they're really passionate about. Another challenge was when applying to the course, a few of the students mentioned that the application process was a bit more challenging without the support of a school system with their application. However, even if you've left school or college years ago, you can still try reaching out to your last place of education or your local college, as they may be able to offer some support to mature students and have someone who's able to guide you through that process. The workload is something I know a lot of students can find challenging at times, particularly when on placement. But for the students also juggling childcare and other responsibilities or having to work on the weekends in addition to a nine to five placement, may find it difficult to have time to complete all of the work. However, having a supportive supervisor can make a huge change and these students are already likely to have some great time management and prioritization strategies, which will be a huge benefit as a dietitian. Some of the men on the course were also worried that they'd not only be the oldest student on the course, but also the only man, as dietetics is typically a female-dominated course. This worry then translated that they didn't want to speak to some of the younger students as they were worried that they might intimidate them. However, now being on the course, everyone has really integrated well and there isn't a divide between mature and younger students. And I know from my personal experience that having mature students on the course alongside me has been a huge benefit and being able to draw on others' life experiences and have discussions with people from different backgrounds and stages of life has really helped me with widen my perspective and sets realistic expectations of what it's like in the working world where you'll never have a team that's all the exact same age as an an opinion as you. I think it's something that you don't often get a chance to experience on many other courses. I'd just like to say a huge thank you to all of the students that were kind enough to share their honest experiences with me and if you would like to share your experiences of what it's like to be a mature student then I would love to email 
to hear to hear from you and you can email new ultra podcast at hrscommunications.com this month's follow recommendations today's uh, you can find today's guest becca lynn Perkis, at on instagram where she shares up what she's up to and what she's eating and of course some incredible bakes Another one that I would recommend is at Steph Grasso Nutrition on Instagram or at Steph Grasso Dietitian on TikTok. She's a really fun one to follow and she shares loads of short videos about how to make meals more balanced, which is a great inspiration for how to help patients make small and healthy changes. I would also recommend following at Embody Health London on both Instagram and TikTok as they are two intuitive eating dietitians who spread the message of creating a healthy relationship with food through their short videos. There are loads of CPD opportunities that you can do that don't take up much time and that you can incorporate into your day-to-day life that may help you save time later on when you're even busier. My NutriWeb has lots of pre-recorded 60-minute webinars which you can listen to at any time that suits you best and you can stop and start as they're only 60 minutes long. I'm really excited to watch the 60-minute webinar on nutrition for immunity since immune-boosting foods is something that I've always been quite skeptical of, so I'm really interested to hear what the science behind it really is. Another thing that you can do that's quick and easy is you can download podcasts and journal articles that you can listen to or read while you're commuting or have a bit of free time to squeeze something in. I love listening to the Food Medic podcast and the Doctor's Kitchen podcast while I'm traveling between places, as although they're not dietetic specific, they have a wide range of guests that work in healthcare related fields, and they often discuss nutrition related topics, which can be a great insight into what else is going on outside of dietetics. Another thing you can do is try and save some time later on by creating clinical summary sheets or just reflecting on the activities that you've been doing as this will allow you to see where you need to spend more time working on and how you can tailor your CPD to you later on. Some important dates that are coming up in the next month. December is a month of celebration and a great time to enjoy lots of great food however it can be a difficult time for so many especially now in the cost of living crisis. One way that you can spend some spread some extra Christmas joy and help out your local community this month could be to volunteer at or donate to a local food bank. I will also leave a link to the Trussell Trust website in the show notes so that if as they have lots more information about the work that food banks do and how you can get involved as they have food banks across the UK to to feed those that are most in need. December is also a great month to grow a beard if you have one as Bowel Cancer UK are encouraging everyone to grow a December to raise awareness of bowel cancer. Bowel cancer is the fourth most common cancer in the UK and something that has a huge impact on someone's nutritional status. So December is a great time to not only spread awareness of bowel cancer, but learn more about it. The Bowel Cancer UK website is a great resource with loads of useful information on bowel cancer and has more information on how you can get involved in December. So I'll be linking that in the show notes. For more information about anything that I've mentioned today, please check out the show notes. And if you know of any exciting CPD opportunities for students that are coming up or getting involved in any of the activities or events that I've mentioned, then I would love to hear from you. And you can drop me an email at newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com. And that is all the info to go for today's episode. So I'll hand back over to Neve in the main cafe.
Thanks, Megan. There's some fantastic resources. I would like to say a huge thank you once again to New Altra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, consider subscribing and leaving a five-star review or rating so that we can reach even more RD2Bs. You can also follow New Altra on all platforms at New Altra to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear about the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening and our next episode will be out soon.